He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, we got a lot to get into today. We have a very special guest, the head coach, the new head coach of the OCU Stars, Blake Trimble, one of my good buddies from Oak Tree National, now the head coach at OCU. We'll talk to him after the break. We will also do our Live Chicago preview after the break as well. But fellas, we will get into some Ryder Cup stuff, but I have some personal golf news for everybody. I got guilted into playing the Pro Scratch, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically a glorified member guest that Oak Tree National had, and then it went away for a little bit. Now Ryan Munson, the legend out at Oak Tree National, is bringing it back and guilting everybody into playing, and somehow he convinced me and Matt Mabry to play in this pro scratch, and there's going to be some big league pros in this. I'm not going to mention any names in case they don't come, but fellas, I am way out of my league in this thing, but Munson guilted me into it. Woody, I need your advice. I haven't played golf in forever, but now I'm you know, basically thrust it into a U.S. Open type event, and my U.S. Open, not the pros, obviously, but it's a pro scratch so i am apparently the scratch but i the scratch for matt mabry hasn't played golf in like you know four months woody what am i gonna do here well first thing you do is you have your expectations as low as you possibly can that's the first thing you do don't go out there expecting anything good that way if something good happens it's icing on the cake okay the second thing you have to do is Get with me next week, like we talked about before we went on the air here, and let's find a golf swing that will keep it somewhere in North Edmond. Okay? <laughs> I so like that idea. Off planet Earth, okay? We're going to find a, um, a golf swing that might not look pretty, might not sound pretty, but you don't lose a lot of balls and you stay in the hunt. Uh, because if this pro scratch wave, the last one I played in was many years ago. And they had a skins game where my partner made a whole one on 13 made 2600 bucks. Is, this, is it going to be like that one? I think me making a hole-in-one, Woody, would be the only chance I have to make money with this field that they're going to have. But it's going to be best but ball for, I think, two days. And then, you know, they have the $200 skins game or whatever every day. But, yeah, I think the skins game is the only way fight. I'm going to make money, Woody. Yeah, you just a blind squirrel finds a nut all the time, okay? And that's what you're shooting for, making a making an eagle on a par five or holding one from the fairway for a two on a par four. That's what you got to do. You got to pull out what Woody did on the ninth hole at the East Course that day in our scramble where you make one. That's it's, what has to happen, it's okay? It's going to be ridiculous. And it can happen. It, it, it's now, one of those things. I don't know if I can. It's one of those things, T-Dub, where, I, I mean, I'll say one of the names, like Matthew Wolf is playing in this with his partner, right? And to him, it's like a hit and giggle. To me, this is like the U.S. Open, considering I haven't played in anything 
relatively recently, T-Dub. What am I going to do? I'll tell you your strategy right now. I do think you need to get with Woody next week for sure. But whatever you do, do not play any golf before the day because we know how it goes. You always, (laughs) whenever you don't play for a while, you have your best stuff on the first day you come back, and then the second day it's absolutely horrible. It's like you never picked up a club in your life. So whatever you do, get a little advice from Woody, but do not play golf beforehand. The next thing you do is you get to the course about an hour, maybe 45 minutes early. You go, you hit a few balls, you hit a few putts, then you go into the bar, you get you a few club specials, a few beers, something like that. You load up for the day. And no matter what you do, you have fun. And for the skin purposes, you aim at every single flag imaginable. I don't care where they tuck it. You're aiming at it. On three, you're going for it in two no matter what. You're going for every par five and two. You're taking out driver every hole. You're playing as aggressive as you possibly can with as much booze as you possibly can. I guarantee you, you'll have a good time. (laughs) That's one thing that's nice about this is I'm not the pro. Matt Mabry is the pro. So if I make a bogey on a hole, it's up to him, right? I I shouldn't feel bad about that. right. Never. Do not feel bad if you've got the pro with you. Well, you just rock and fire. I'm with with T-Dub, and I do like the aiming fluid idea. Aiming fluid is a good idea. Just do me a favor. (laughs) Don't go past the limit. Okay. No, there's like a, a fine a line there. There's yeah. a, definitely a fine yeah, line yeah, there yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to watch the intake so you can get just enough aim and fluid where you're good, but you go past that level and you really get really bad. Okay, so we got you figured out then. Perfect, perfect. We'll keep you guys updated as we get closer to that in mid-October. Man, I'm already nervous. My hands are sweating thinking about it. But, uh, Woody, before we get to our Ryder Cup stuff, I hear you were at the golf course today with golf clubs. So, are you finally hitting balls after your surgery? I was, Sam, and I am. But I've played one day so far that I've got the green light to go play. I went out to Gillardy and played a four-person scramble. I had an 87-year-old lady on my team that's the sweetest, Pat Davenport, sweetest lady you'll ever want to meet, her son Mark, and Scott Smelter, who used to be the pro at Coffee Creek. Well, this was what you said, hit and giggle. And we went out, and we just had, you know, I thought I had no expectations. I got to tell you guys, I chipped in twice. I striped it. I've never hit it so good in my life. We shoot 18 under par with those four people on a team, Okay. Now, I was at Oak Tree today teaching all day, and you know what? I never hit a shot. I never even pulled a club out of the bag. I didn't even want to try to hit a shot because I'm like, T-Dub, I couldn't hit any better than I did Monday, so I'm not playing again for another six weeks. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm 100% right on this. It's weird. And one thing that's crazy about it, too, is people who just play golf casually against people, like obviously somebody played at the highest level, but even people that play golf competitively, like once you're done with it, not the same urge as you did beforehand. So people right now are like, oh, you played so good today. You must want to seriously think about trying to play again without getting like, there's not a chance to no one try to play again. I'm going to not play for four no. more months and then I'll figure <laughs> out again. It, it's crazy that, that people don't understand that when you play golf at any sort of competitive level and then you don't anymore, the, the thrill you get from playing good golf isn't there. It's more or less you're pissed off at yourself. You said, well, I did this once. How come I couldn't have done this five years ago when I was trying to give it a go? <laughs> that's right. That's, that's exactly, exactly right. right. That's, what I, that's what I thought. I said, why would I want to do this again? There's not a chance in the world I did it again. I had a great time that day. I giggled, and I went home, and I had a cocktail. And I said, boy, I'm really good. And in my mind, I thought I was. Everybody else is, who cares? <laughs> That's right. That is exactly right. Well, fellas, we are 
leading up to the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is next weekend, fellas, and we have a packed show next week for you guys for Ryder Cup week. But last week, we did our European Ryder Cup team breakdown, which means this week we are doing our United States team breakdown here on the 73rd Hole podcast. And Fellas, this U.S. team is favored, but not by very much. And we highlighted last week that the Europeans have three out of the top four players in the world, and the bottom half of their lineup is definitely better than we thought it was going to be. But this U.S. team is still stacked when you look at the names on this team. And let's start at the top. We've talked a ton about Scotty Scheffler, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on his season. Great ball striking, terrible putting. That summarizes Scotty Scheffler's season. But it will be his second Ryder Cup appearance, and it's going to be a totally different team than he had at Whistling Straits, and it will be his first time across the pond. How do you think Scotty Scheffler handles this situation a whole lot different than 2021 when the U.S. dominated T-Dub? Well, it's crazy, guys. Is let's just pull this all around full circle. And at Whistling Straits, Scotty Scheffler was a captain's pick, and in some people's minds, a very questionable pick at that. And all of a sudden, he goes 2-0-1. And not Ryder Cup, and now all of a sudden he's number one player in the world. If he could putt, he'd be one of the best golfers. He'd probably be a top ten golfer of all time if he could putt. But at the end of the day, it would it'd be a ludicrous world to see him not on the team anymore, Woody. So it is pretty crazy to think about just where he was essentially two years ago at this time, where he is now. It's probably one of the biggest jumps in two years that we've seen probably in golf history. I agree with you. I remember when we picked him. I liked the pick, but I wasn't sure about the pick. And then, boy, you went up to Whistling Straits and just played some great golf. I think the toughest thing for Scotty Shepard, this being his second Ryder Cup, is how much difference it's going to feel without all those Americans pulling for you, with all those Europeans pulling against you. I think it's going to be a tough go for him. I think that it's going to be a big difference for Scotty. I'll just tell you that. Now, he's a pretty calm, cool, collected guy. But i I got to tell you guys, when you're over there in Europe and those fans get to do their yeah, da 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 and all that crap they do, man, it gets, it gets ugly, and especially if momentum goes one way or the other. So I hope that Scheffler spent these couple of weeks off really working on his short game, on his putting especially, and I, I hope they're ready. That's what worries me the most, guys, is, our guys haven't been playing any golf. I mean, they have not been playing golf. That scares me. That really scares me. The last thing I'll say about Scheffler, fellas, is in 2023 – Scotty Scheffler had 24 starts, 21 top 20s, 14 top fives, and two wins. If he would have just putted field average in 2023, Scotty Scheffler would have had six wins, five runner-ups, and would have finished top 10 in every single tournament. By the way, he would have won the Masters and the U.S. Open and finished runner-up in the PGA and the Open. By the way, he would have won the U.S. Open by seven strokes if he just putted field average. So my question to you guys regarding Scheffler, do you trust his putting under the pressure of being across the pond for the first time? It's kind of like everyone knows he can't putt, and now everyone's going to be cheering against him. Do you think that you know kind of gets in his mind a little bit? I think it absolutely could for sure. I think what you'll – have to do is obviously I think you're going to play Scheffler as many times as you can. If he if he sits a, a session, I would be highly shocked in that regard. 
So then you look at it from, he's going to play best ball, so you just try to make as many birdies as you can, obviously. But then when you go to alternate shots, you have to strategize to where he is going to be teeing off on the holes where he is hitting the approach shots. I watched a, a video on it earlier today, and I may be wrong on the order, but the I believe the odd number holes hit on three of the four par threes, I believe, and then the other, the even holes, would be driving on par fives. So that would put a situation where if you put him on the odd holes, where he could tee off on most of the par threes and be hitting the second shot in the par fives, Woody. So, in my opinion, that that's 100% what you have to do. And that you have to make sure that that putter sees the green as little as you can. I agree. I agree. And, and, and you've got to hope that we get off to a good start. That's what worries me about this group of guys, because we've t- talked about this. Our, our guys don't putt as good as their guys. It just seems that way. Momentum changes in this event drastically on the green. Make putts and the whole momentum can change. So we got to hope Scotty gets off to a good start with that putter, okay? That's a must, that he gets some good putts in the hole early so he gets some confidence. Again, he hasn't played since the Tour Championship. A lot of our guys haven't played since the Tour Championship. So all of a sudden now, not only are you going to an event, but you're going to one of the biggest events they're going to play in. A lot of pressure. What happens under pressure with a putter? It gets a little suspect. So, yeah, Sam, I think it is. I think it is going to be really difficult to to, to not say we got to worry about his putter. Okay, it is. It's going to be hard. That's hard to say when you're talking about the number one player in the world that we're still worried about his putter, but we are. You know whose putter we don't have to worry about? That would be Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley is having his best putting year by far, gaining .7 shots per round on the greens. In 2023, he had 23 starts, 17 top 20s, 7 top 5s. Did not have a win, but he's coming off the second place finish where he really tied Victor Hovland for 72 holes, finished second at the Tour Championship. That was the last time he teed it up. Xander had a great year. He just didn't get a win, right, T-Dub? 100% right. Yeah, he didn't miss a cut during that entire duration. It's pretty crazy. And you mentioned the putter. The putter is outstandingly rock solid. He hasn't lost strokes gained in that category going all the way for this entire calendar year. And then the exact same thing is with the irons as well. He, he actually gained more strokes with the irons than he did with the putter, which is absolutely crazy because he's one of the best putters on tour. So when you combine the element of great iron player and great putter, that, that'll succeed in any format that you can find. If you have any qualms about Shoffley, it would be this year. He's hit it a little bit crooked compared to what he usually does and with how Rome will set up. That could not be advantageous for whatever team he gets on. He'll probably play with Cantlay the majority of, of the sessions. Once again, another guy that I'd be shocked if he sits the session. Maybe one if he just has a little bit of fatigue or whatever. But at the end of the day, Woody Shoffley is almost as surefire as it gets for the Americans. Well, Shoffley is as strong as we've got. I think ball striking putting-wise, He's as good all around as anybody we've got. Uh, Cantley's right there behind him. Not as good a ball striker, but a great putter. So those two are going to be a heck of a team if you really think about it. They did that, you know, earlier at uh, Whistling Straits, and they were they were a tough team, if I remember. They they were hard to beat because they both hit it pretty good and they both put the eyes out of it. So. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. I I thought it was funny that Luke Donald was quoted as saying he's probably going to sit Rom and McElroy on one of those matches to give him a rest. Now, how much confidence is that in your team that he's going to sit Rom and McElroy for a rest? Uh, I'll have to see that to believe it. But they're full of confidence right now, so our guys better be ready for a fight. 
No doubt about it. Let's talk about Xander's partner. Like you guys mentioned, Patrick Cantlay, for all intents and purposes, we probably know they're going to play together. Patrick Cantlay in 2021 won four times. In 22, he won two times. Now, in 23, he did not have a win. He had 21 starts, 15 top 20s, and eight top fives. He came close many times. I mean, he finished fifth at the Tour Championship. He finished second at the FedEx St. Jude, third at the RBC Heritage, and third at the Genesis at Riviera last year, this past year. And I think the reason why he didn't get a win, T-Dub, is the putter was a little bit streaky for Patrick Cantlay. It was still good, but it wasn't up to the Patrick Cantlay standards that we've seen uh, you know, over the last couple years, I have no doubt that Patrick Cantlay is going to play well in this Ryder Cup, though, especially when he's paired with Xander Shoffley. That duo is going to be extremely formidable. There's no doubt about it. The thing about Cantlay that's so rock solid is his driver. He's not a lot of strokes getting off the tee going all the way back to the FedEx St. Jude of 2022. So he just hits his driver so incredibly straight, and I'm definitely above her average when it comes to distance. So when you have that combination together, very, very solid. But you're 100% right about the, the putter stand being streaky. The reason that he actually gained strokes on the putters is because whenever he did putt good, he putted exceptionally well. But when it, but he had about 50-50 was the percentage of times where he would gain strokes versus lose strokes. So that's something that we're going to have to watch out for, Woody, because Cantlay, as, you, as we've elaborated numerous times leading up to this show, the Americans struggle with the putter, and Cantlay's one of the guys that you would expect to be able to rely on. So if you have a guy that you – know or suspect can make putts and all of a sudden they're not that is going to be a big big trouble for the americans no doubt one of the things you've got to watch with cantley's putter that i noticed this year different than the other years that he was winning cantley has a lot of the same stroke as cameron smith he goes further back than most people then he accelerates into the ball and gives it almost like a just enough of a hit well late last year or in the year 23 I didn't see the same motion coming into the ball. I didn't see the same speed coming to the ball. He was very tentative as he came into the ball. And he didn't roll the ball quite as good as what he did to 22 and 21, okay? And it was a fine line, guys. I just, I'm just i just fascinated with good putting strokes, and I really watch them. He putted a lot like Ben Crenshaw did, like Cameron Smith does, Okay. It's a longer backstroke than the acceleration to the ball and not much of a follow-through. Well, he didn't really have that same acceleration into the ball, almost like he was Kennedy. So I'm going to be real curious to see if he gets on those greens in Rome and if he likes them and if he's comfortable, if he's got that acceleration back where he's not afraid to go ahead and hit the ball a little bit. I That's all I saw was the only difference that I could see. Other than that, Again, when you look at our team, on paper, we look really good. No, Woody, you're exactly right. The U.S. team does look very good, and they do have, in my opinion, the most underrated golfer in the world in Wyndham Clark. He's the 10th-ranked golfer on the official World Golf Ranking, 13th on Data Golf. But everyone's like, oh, you know, he came out of nowhere to win the U.S. Open. Not necessarily true. If you were paying attention, he won the elevated event at Quail Hollow. And in 2023, Wyndham Clark had 28 starts, 12 top 20s, 5 top 5s, 
and obviously two wins, and he finished third at the Tour Championship. This will be obviously his first Ryder Cup T-Dub, um, but he was a locked-in pick on this U.S. team. I trust Wyndham Clark more than a lot of other guys on this U.S. team. Well, he's just proven that in situations where guys would usually crumble or falter under the pressure at least a few times, he's proven that he can do it. Going against Xander Shoffley against Wells Fargo, like, oh, Shoffley's obviously going to get this done. He's an experienced guy. No. Uh, he goes out there and wins by multiple shots. Then at the U.S. Open going down against Rory McIlroy. Oh, there's no chance. Rory's going to This is gonna be the final time he breaks through. All he has to do is beat Wyndham Clark, who's never been up there in a major. Sure enough, Wyndham Clark plays solid, comes down the stretch, and ends up winning the tournament. And then... Yeah, he, he made a decent amount of run, uh, decent run. He finished third at the championship, never really contended because Hovland and Shoffler are so much out in front. But still, great finish there. 100% right. It, there's been situations this year, even after he won the U.S. Open, where we get to him and we're like, oh, man, yeah, Wyndham Clark, yeah, he's got a great chance to win this championship. He's a 13th-ranked player analytically. So if if we could sometimes let him fly under the radar, Woody, there's no way that the average golfer is going to know much about Wyndham Clark when they should because he's had one hell of a season. Wyndham Clark reminds me of guys a little bit of what Scotty Scheffler was in 2021, except he won the U.S. Open. Scotty hadn't even done that. Scotty hadn't even won a golf tournament. But they count Wyndham Clark not as that great a player because he was a late bloomer. Wyndham Clark always had great game. Ask our buddy Mike McGraw, who recruited him. The guy was always amazingly good golfer. What kept him from being a great golfer was his attitude. He got really angry. He didn't like when he missed the golf shot. He was a perfectionist. Once he got to where he was not well worried about being perfect and just started enjoying the game, that's when Wyndham Clark really started playing some great golf. That's not going to change. At the Ryder Cup, that's no more pressure than he felt at the U.S. Open or trying to win that first elevated event that he did there at Quail Hollow. This guy's going to be a sleeper. He is going to be somebody the Europeans are not going to want to play against. I look for Wyndham Clark to be one of our stars on our team. That's what I think, guys. Hey, I agree with you, and you hit on it right there. Both of you guys did that Wyndham Clark – People don't realize that he was a can't-miss guy in college. He was really, really good. It just took him a while. The late bloomer isn't necessarily the right way to put it because he was a world beater in college. It just took him a minute when he turned professional to really get his feet under him, and now he does, and he is one of the best players in professional golf and it will be his first Ryder Cup you know who else will be a Ryder Cup rookie in 2023 that would be Max Homa Max Homa is the seventh ranked player in the official world golf ranking ninth analytically on data golf and in 2023 Max Homa had 26 starts 17 top 20s five top fives and had the two wins in 2023 so fellas what are your thoughts on max homa who got off to a blazing hot start to 2023 cooled off in the middle a little bit but his last four events has finished seventh ninth fifth and sixth you could even go farther back than that and say he finished 10th at the open championship and 12th at the Scottish Open. He's playing really good golf recently or relatively recently since these guys haven't teed it up in a hot second. But, T-Dub, I trust Max Homa too, considering Wyndham Clark kind of in the same boat as Max Homa. They're both rookies, but I trust them a lot when it comes to this Ryder Cup. We have to know in the head, Sam, because if you would have asked me three months ago, 
if I trust Max Homa in this record? I would say absolutely not. I had a horrible U.S. Open where a lot of people p- predicted that he would do well. They missed cut the next week of the Travelers. And then had, also had a, a bad stretch there right after the, the Masters as well. He finished 43rd there, missed the cut at the Heritage, missed the cut of the team event down in New Orleans. Kind of a little bit of a fluky deal, but that can't happen. Finished 55th of the PGA Championship. Do you think, yeah, he, he's lost a little bit of that sizzle. He's known for playing great in California, but then he cooled off a little bit. But what I've seen over the last few months definitely gives me some optimism. Top 10 at the British Open, 6th, 5th, ninth, and 7th, respectively, is the last time he ever played this last week at the Fortnite Championship as well, where he played, uh, at least had some decent numbers, and likely drove the ball really well there, which is something that he's done really well in his last 10 events or so. So, yeah, I think, I think Holmes is going to play well. And also, too, Woody, if that's the effect of Holmes, one of those guys who is going to give a little bit of banter back to the European crowd, which would be something. If you can make a couple 10 or 15 footers to silence that crowd, that's going to be a very good thing. That's what he's going to have to silence him with is his putter. Because he's got, he's got that chip where he's going to be a good guy to have on our team unless they drive him crazy and get him really kind of flustered. I look for him to be a little bit like our buddy Patrick Reed. I think he could be Captain USA, to be honest with you. He's got that persona. He's got that bull that he can go and mix with people, intermingle. He can take a ribbing. He can take the needle. I look for him to be one of those guys, like Wyndham Clark that you guys were talking about. We want to talk about the Shefflers and the – uh, shop leads and all the seeds and all these guys that are supposed to be the stars, those guys are going to be the ones that have to get us the win. Just watch. If those guys come through in the clutch, we can still win this Ryder Cup. If they don't play well, we're going to get our butt hands to us. Trust I agree with you there, Woody. The last locked-in guy that we'll talk about on this U.S. team, Brian Harmon, did just that. He made putts to silence the European crowd at the Open Championship. And yes, it was a surprise that he won the Open Championship. But in 2023, Brian Harmon had 27 starts, 11 top 20s, 5 top 5s, and a major. And then after that major, he finished 5th at the BMW Championship, gaining over two shots on the field on the greens in that event. T-Dub, do you think he will make those same putts to silence the European crowd that he did at the Open Championship? I don't have a doubt in my mind that he's going to make putts. I think he's going to play exceptionally well this, this, this Ryder Cup. I mean, he won the Open Championship by six shots, and it wasn't a fluke. There wasn't no weather conundrum that happened. He just played a great second round and then played such solid golf on the weekend that no one was going to be able to catch him. Putted so exceptionally well there. He's putted well his last eight events or so. So, yeah, there's, there's not a doubt in my mind that he's going to make putts. And and one thing about Brian Harmon that is extremely, extremely important is that you can get in a situation where your caddy gets under pressure. There's not a doubt in my mind that Scott Tway's not going to get in, in under any pressure at all. He's been in a Ryder Cup situation before. Veteran caddy. He's been, been any major golf term you could ever think of. He is been in that situation. So I absolutely love Brian Harmon. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Woody. You tell me if I was playing in this Ryder Cup, pick one player that you'd want to play with. I think Brian Harmon, 100%, every day of the week. Well, there's a reason he went to Georgia for college. What is that? What's the nickname of the Georgia team? The Bulldogs. Bulldogs. And guess what Brian Harmon is? He's a freaking Bulldog. He will get in the mud. He will scrape it. He'll scrap it around. It won't be impressive, but he will beat you. And that's what I love about Brian Harmon. Scott Sway is the same way. He's a bulldog. 
He won't let anybody give him any crap. He'll be right in their face if they do. Those two are a great caddy player team. Again, I'm counting on the Harmon, the Wyndham Clark, the Holman. Those are the guys that we call rookies. I think they're going to be the ones that carry the team, guys. I really do. I agree with you, and it seems like the rookies really are trustable in this Ryder Cup. Now, let's get to the captain's picks where there's some big names, but guys that haven't been playing their best golf in 2023. Let's start off with Jordan Spieth, the first captain's pick that we'll talk about. In 2023, Jordan Spieth had 23 starts, 10 top 20s, 5 top 5s, and no wins. He almost had a win at the RBC Heritage where he lost to Matty Fitz. The week before that at the Masters, he finished tied for fourth. Um, really had a solid start to the year, but then he missed the cut at the Wells Fargo, missed the cut at the Colonial. He missed the cut at the Genesis Scottish Open and the U.S. Open. Um, I don't necessarily trust Jordan Spieth, but he may turn into a different guy when the Ryder Cup happens. The U.S. better hope he does. That is the hope for sure. He does have a winning record in the Ryder Cup. He's 8-7-3, and three, so not dominating by any stretch of the imagination, but compared to someone like Ricky Fowler, who's 3-7-5, and five, it definitely looks a little bit better in that respect. So, But, but no, I, I don't think Speed is going to have the best Ryder Cup either. I, I definitely agree with you. I think that his little bit, especially his last eight tournaments or so, has been so wayward off the tee that I think that that's going to be something to, uh, to look at. Oh, I, I apologize, actually. I mean, with the uh, with the irons is what I meant to say. His irons have been extremely bad because uh, four out of the last six tournaments, he's lost strokes in the irons. He's actually driving the ball a, a lot straighter. And, and so that's actually been a, a good thing for speed. So that's going to be good. But but him having hit the iron shots, I think it's something we're going to want to avoid. And then something that he's always been really great with is the putter. That's been something that's been really streaky, especially over the last 12 tournaments or so. So you, you definitely expect that Spieth and Justin Thomas will be appearing. And obviously anyone who's listened to this podcast at all in the last four months knows that how low that we all are on Justin Thomas. So if he's going to be your partner, you need Spieth to be the A player in a sense. If he's going to be your A player, Woody, I'm not going to look back on recent form or in Ryder Cup form. I'm going to look on what's been recent form and what I've seen hasn't been extremely promising. Well, if he throws that team out there and they get busted and then he does it again, you can call in the dogs and be on the fire. The hunt's over. Hey, if we're that stupid, if he puts that team together and they don't gel and they don't play good, I'll tell you what scares me about speed, guys. Not his putter, not his driver, not his irons. Not that any of those are really exciting to me. It's called he just had a baby, okay? Let me tell you guys, you've never had one. You've never had a baby into your mix. Now, granted, it's his second one. I don't care who you are. That is a very emotional time, and it's draining. It takes you to the highest high and then the lowest low. And if you think he's getting a lot of sleep right now, he's not. Not with a baby, okay? So I'm not trying to be a bad guy here by saying that that's the worst thing in the world, that you're taking a guy who just had a baby. But that does affect your life. Okay, I don't vote for Jordan Speed to be a star. I hope he surprises the heck out of me. He's the one guy on the team that worries me the most, more so than even Justin Thomas. Jordan Speed is the guy that worries me the most because I think Zach Johnson will keep playing him even if he's not playing well. 
that scares me to death. That's all I'm going to say about that. It worries me a lot. What he's speaking of babies, let's talk about the baby of this U.S. Ryder Cup team. That would be the 27-year-old Sam Burns, who's the 20th-ranked player on the official World Golf Ranking, 19th analytically on Data Golf. In 2023, Sam Burns had 27 starts, 14 top 20s, and only one top five, and that came at his win at the Dell Technologies match play, which might have been one of the wins to get him onto this team. He's an exceptional putter, fellas, and he's probably going to be paired with Scotty Scheffler at some point in this Ryder Cup, uh, which will be an interesting pairing considering they're best friends, and Scotty's a great ball striker. Sam Burns is an okay ball striker, but Scotty can't putt, but Sam Burns can putt. It seems like on paper that team can work. How do you think that Sam Burns will handle his first Ryder Cup, and do you think that it's a good thing or a bad thing that he's probably going to be paired with Scotty Scheffler at some point in these team matches, T-Dub? Well, for Burns, I think he's put in an ideal situation. You go back to what we were talking about earlier with Scheffler and the formula that you could have with him hitting the second shot and then having someone else make the putt. You'd be hard-pressed to find five guys in the world you'd rather try to make a 15-footer for you than Sam Burns. So you get Scheffler hitting those darts in there and, and he's usually not able to convert them but Burns is going to be able to so I, I think that duo is going to be extremely extremely important if the U.S. wants to win because you send your best player out with one of the best putters in the world and you're not able to get a point on the board that that's going to be very very tough for the U.S. team to come back on has played a little bit better as of late finished ninth of the tour championship finished 15th at the BMW before that missed the cut at the open so that his game really doesn't set up particularly well for a European style of golf. So that is something that I am a little bit concerned about. But one thing too is that goes a little bit unnoticed. Woody is that Sam Burns just absolutely flushes it. Southern Hills, I was in awe. One of the top players that I was amazed with. It's one of those guys that just sounds different when it comes off his, especially with his irons. His is so high and ty- and towering. So it's uh, not only is he one of the best players in the world, but he hits the ball really well. So. But I am a little bit worried about how he's going to deal with just a style of golf over there. And then your first Ryder Cup as well. So hopefully he comes through because when you got the number one player in the world on your back, you need to be able to get a point on the board. Well, and I think that's going to be what makes him okay over there. I think I think with him paired with Scheffler, they're such good friends. They just mix really good together. They'll keep each other really on a level keel. And I think no matter what the crowd throws at those two, I think they got a real strong faith, and they really believe in each other. And I think Burns is a guy that can quiet the crowd. I think he can rat hold some putts that will quiet that crowd. And he's not afraid to make those putts when he has to. I've seen him make a lot of clutch putts to win matches, of course, in that match play championship, and to win golf tournaments. He's, I mean, he is scary good on the green. Scheffler is scary good everywhere else. You're right. If that team goes out and doesn't get a point for the USA, again, we're going to get into a situation where this could get ugly for the United States. Fellas, let's talk about Colin Morikawa. This will be Colin Morikawa's second Ryder Cup, first one across the pond. Had to be a Ryder Cup captain's pick this year in 2023, mainly because of the putter. It was kind of a classic Colin Morikawa year where he gains almost two shots per round tee to green and gains over a full shot with the irons per round as well in 2023. But he lost shots 
on the year on the greens. But I will say this is a silver lining for Colin Morikawa in some of the biggest events in 2023. Colin Morikawa, he gained over a half a shot on the greens at the U.S. Open where he finished tied for 14th. He also gained over a half a shot on the greens at the Masters where he finished top 10, tied for 10th. Um, Not a great year for Colin Morikawa. He never had the hot week putting, um, but he did have his best putting weeks at the biggest events, T-Dub. He's the 19th ranked player on the official World Golf ranking, eighth on Data Golf. So Data Golf actually loves Colin Morikawa headed into this Ryder Cup. Do you agree with the analytics? I think that his game is definitely in the right direction. I don't know for whatever reason. I'm I don't think he's going to have the best Ryder Cup. I just don't trust that putter. It's so up and down. It's one. It's probably the number one thing I'm worried about with the United States going in there is just the amount of uh, guys on the team who can't make putts. He's very similar to Scotty Scheffler. Hits the irons so exceptionally well. It just is not able to convert him most of the time. One thing that is promising about him, though, is he just drives the ball so straight. So he's going to put you in position every single time, and that's going to be something that's very, very good to have. But one thing that's going to be very important is I think you need to throw him out. A lot of people think it'd be the alternate shot, but I think you throw him out in the best ball, Woody, and just let him just throw darts out there, and hopefully he's able to convert some putts. Just for whatever reason, I just think that that putter is going to be what holds him back. But I, don't, I think the iron play is going to be spot on. I agree. I, you can't question how good Colin Markala hits it. I'll tell you guys, that was one of the most demoralizing things for a golfer. And Scheffler, we saw it all year with him. Markala's the same way. If you and I are out playing golf and you're hitting it 10 feet all day long and I make a 30-footer and you can't hole a 10-footer, it just takes all the wind out of your sails. At some point, we've all said it when we play golf, how close do I have to hit to make birdie? And that's what that's what scares me the most about our team is we got some great ball strikers, but if you can't convert to quiet that crowd, then that momentum just keeps building and building and building. There's a reason, guy, why over in Europe here in the last thirty years, not only have we not won, but there's a lot of times we've just gotten lambasted. We have gotten run over. Okay, because of that momentum and because we couldn't make putts when we had to. I hope we're all wrong, guys. I hope, like heck, when we watch this in two weeks or a week and a half, I hope we're all sitting around going, can you believe how good we putted? I hope. I'm not counting on it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, I just don't know that we're that good a putter. I don't hope, Woody. I'm rooting for Victor Hovland and the Europeans, but let's get back to it. Uh, Let's go to a guy that if I told you a year ago that he would be on the Ryder Cup team, you would have called me crazy, probably would have said that I'm on drugs. But guess what? We're not on drugs, and the Ryder Cup's not in Amsterdam this year. It's in Rome, and Ricky Fowler is on this Ryder Cup team, fellas. Ricky Fowler, this will be his fifth Ryder Cup appearance the most of any other player on the U.S. team. He's actually tied with Jordan Spieth with five appearances, but Ricky hasn't been to the Ryder Cup since 2018. Ricky Fowler in 2023 had 25 starts, 16 top 20s, three top fives, and had the win, obviously, at the Rocket Mortgage. That was up from one top 20 and one top five, no wins in 2022. 
Comeback Player of the Year, T-Dub, what are your thoughts on Ricky Fowler, and will he actually help this team, or do you think it was a great story that he made the team, but now the bright lights are on, which Ricky Fowler are we going to get in Rome? No, I think we're going to get a good version. I really do. I think he's going to play well this Ryder Cup for whatever reason. He's had a, a tremendous season. There's no doubt about it. And really, since his win at the Rocket Morgan, he's kind of cooled off a little bit. I give him a little bit of credit. It's his first win in how many ever years. Needed to get over the over the hump, to say, to speak, because it had been so long. So, yeah, that was it was great to see. Had a chance at the U.S. Open. Did not have a very good, really, last 19 holes. So that cost him was leading the, the, the whole tournament. And then wasn't able to, to get the job, unfortunately. But that was kind of the, the hump that he needed as well to get over to the, the final crest that he was trying to get to at the Rocket Mortgage, winning in the playoff there. So that was great, especially because I had ripped on him for so long. And then I hedged my bet by picking him to win that week, and, it, and he was able to get it done. So I, I definitely was a fan of that. The thing, the thing I am really worried about, Woody, though, with, with Fowler, is that his Ryder Cup record, 3-7-5, and five, something that is uh, decently alarming considering he's played in four Ryder Cups up to this point. Do you think experience is good? But you look at the track record, it's not the best experience. Yeah, you know, I was surprised when you said that, 3-7. I thought it was better than that. I would have thought he was better than that. I, I think Ricky was part of that team that Zach Johnson wanted. He Those guys are all buddies. He feels like if he gets all those buddies together, that's why Keegan Bradley's not on that team. If he gets all those buddies together, they're going to gel and they're going to mix and they're going to have this camaraderie that can take them to a win on a foreign soil, which we haven't done in 30 years. I think Ricky could have a good Ryder Cup. I also think Ricky could have a really bad Ryder Cup. So I'm wanting to think that if that goes back to what we talked about, Holmna and Wyndham Clark, those guys, Brian Harmon, we need Ricky to have a good Ryder Cup for us to win. So he's had a good time to rest. He's gotten over the, the hoopla of him winning. He's picked on the team. He's ready to go. So I think he's going to be ready to play. I'll tell you what, guys, the first day is going to tell you a lot about what we're going to have. No doubt. And last time we saw Ricky Fowler under the bright lights, under a serious pressure scenario in a big-time event, not just the Rocket Mortgage. Now, there was a lot of pressure on that since he hadn't won in a long time, but he kind of folded at the U.S. Open. I have to say, I'm going to be rooting for Ricky Fowler. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just trying to play the bad guy here since I'm rooting for the Europeans, but I really didn't see a great, you know, assassin killer type mentality from Ricky Fowler at the U.S. Open when he was under the bright lights. This will be uh, definitely under the bright lights at this Ryder Cup in Rome. It'll be interesting to see how Ricky handles that type of pressure. I saved the most controversial picks for last, fellas. Let's talk about Live Golf's Brooks Kepka here. Brooks in 2023 had an interesting season because he did have 17 starts, 10 top 20s, six top fives, and two wins. And, you know, he won the PGA, won Live Orlando, finished second at the Masters. But recently, he has played awful. And speaking of what you were talking about with Jordan Spieth, Woody, he did have a baby uh, in this span where he finished tied for 38th at Trump Bedminster. He finished tied for 38th out of 48 at Greenbrier. He finished tied for 64th at the Open Championship, finished tied for 17th at 
Live London this week at Live Chicago. We're going to get to it after the break, but this week at Live Chicago, fellas, is massive for Brooks Kepka. That will be the number one thing I'm looking at this week at Live Chicago to see where Brooks's game actually is because it was a blazing start to 2023, but it's been terrible the last month or so we've seen him tee it up. It really has been. He's cooled off substantially since his third place finish at Valderrama when he was kind of going down with Bryson and TG who ended up winning that tournament. Definitely has not played his best golf since then. Didn't make the cut at the Open Championship but finished 64th. So about DFL from the guys that did make it. At least made a paycheck though, so that's good. But it's in my opinion, I think it's just classic Brooks Kepka. Won the major earlier in the years, played good golf, but and then just kind of doesn't care much more after that. Especially these last two events after the Open Championship. I do think he wanted to play well at the Open. His game just traditionally is not going to set up very well for that style of golf. And so he hasn't played very well since then. I'm not looking a whole lot into that. We'll see how he plays this week because even though he didn't want to be at Live Tulsa, he still finished fifth there. So it'll be interesting to see because I guarantee you, Woody, that he does not want to be playing this week at Chicago, but we still need to see him playing some good golf. If he comes out and finishes another 40th place finish, I'm not going to be extremely high on his chances at the Ryder Cup, but at the same time, he's a big game player. He truly is, and so I think that he will be ready for this Ryder Cup. He does have a 6-5-1 and one record, so at least above 500 in that respect. So I definitely think that even though his game isn't turning in the right direction, he'll turn it on with a switch like he does most of the time in big turns. Yeah, I agree, too. I think when the bell rings at the Ryder Cup, he'll be there, guys. I think he's that kind of he's that kind of player. The, the bigger the event, the better he plays. I am glad he's playing this week. He needs to play. He needs to get the dust off because he's played very little golf and not good golf. So I hope he finishes maybe top 10, something like that this week. But I still say when the bell rings at the Ryder Cup, he'll be there. He's not one I worry about. Kind of opposites here with talking about Brooks Kepka, who I felt obviously deserved to be on the Ryder Cup team. He had a great year and recently hasn't played very well. Now, that's kind of the opposite of what we are seeing from Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, in my opinion, did not deserve to be on this Ryder Cup team whatsoever based under any merit other than the fact that he's friends with Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth. Um I have to give credit where credit is due. He has been dealing with all of this scrutiny of him being on the Ryder Cup team as a Ryder Cup captain's pick. And at the Wyndham, you know, he finished tied for 12th. He didn't obviously get into the playoffs, but he played decent there. And then he took about the month off. And at the Fortinet, now I know it's just the Fortinet in Napa, but he did finish solo fifth place at 15 under par at the Fortinet. That is some pressure there because if he would have gone out and missed the cut there, then he's having to hear all about it leading up to the Ryder Cup. I did see some better things from Justin Thomas at the Fortinet, mainly on the greens where he gained over half a shot on the greens for just the second time since the PGA Championship, fellas. The putter looked a whole lot better at the Fortinet. I have to give credit where credit is due. Do I think he should have been on the team? No, but he's playing better at least the last time we saw him tee it up. He's halfway trending in the right direction, so it is halfway encouraging. One thing that is a little bit discerning, in my opinion, is that he hit the ball, especially off the tee, horrible in the fourth round. When he was only two off the lead, to start the tournament, he started at 1,500. Tee started at 1,700. You thought, okay, well, JT could go out and make a run, and that would make a statement. Go out and win the win the tournament that you're going to play before the Ryder Cup to make everyone 
kind of shish shish about all the criticism he's had over the last few months. But no, he lost almost two shots off the tee in that final round. And then his short game actually stayed him. He gained him almost a full shot around the greens because he didn't his irons very well. And he actually didn't putt that well in the final round either. He did putt well overall for the event. So hasn't played a whole – talk about someone who hasn't played a whole lot of golf. He, the second to last time that he's played besides the Fortnite championship was the Wyndham championship, which was in the first week of August. So he's only played one tournament since in the last month and in the last six weeks. So that's pretty crazy whenever you think about that. So, but there, there was some videos going around of him on the range with pool noodles and things like this. And I'm thinking, Oh God, this guy is completely searching for his swing. But I did see some, some silver linings a little bit. Seems like he's a little bit more stable with his lower body on his irons, which is something that's very important. Once again, what do we got to go down to that putter? Putter was the last two events he's played. But before that, his last 12 tournaments he played in the middle of the season, the putter was not just bad. It was God awful. I think what was good, though, T-Dub, is he got under a little pressure in that last round, so maybe he learned something. It wasn't pretty, but he had to get under the gun, man. He had to get in some heat. You know what I mean? Because that's how you find out what your golf swing really is. It's not playing with the boys down in Florida. It's when you've got to try to win a golf tournament. So I was glad he got under some heat. Um, I still don't trust him, guys. That's a guy I would not play a lot if I don't see something in Rome that tells me oh, he's got it under control I wouldn't I wouldn't send him out a whole lot I, I just wouldn't I don't I do not trust him I don't think he should have been on the team but I knew he was going to be on the team and if he's on the team and he doesn't show something early I'd keep him on the bench is what I do fellas that wraps up the U.S. Ryder Cup team breakdown and what I kind of get from it is, on paper, the U.S. should win this Ryder Cup. But, guys, there's just so many question marks to me when it comes to guys like a Brooks Kepka or Justin Thomas, obviously. But what are we going to get from Colin Morikawa? What are we going to get from the four rookies in Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Sam Burns, and Max Homel? What are we going to get from Scotty Scheffler's putter? Those are the reasons why I, next week I'll lay out a whole lot more reasons, but I'm just telling you, those are the reasons why I'm picking the Europeans in this Ryder Cup. There's just too many question marks for me, even though on paper it looks all well and dandy. Well, definitely top to bottom, if you look, especially analytically, the United States team is a little bit better, but then you have things, like the home course advantage that is so important. I watched a video on it, I, I saw it on YouTube, I think it was Golf Digest that put it out, just talk about how I think that we dive into analytics on our show. They, they said that they were talking about the 2018 Ryder Cup and how the Europeans deep dived in the analytics to set up the golf course. For example, they found out that the, the Americans, a few of the players, had missed the fairway by an average of about 30 yards. And they realized they were going to set the gallery ropes at about 25 yards average off the fairway. So they're like, let's pull the gallery ropes a little bit back so the grass doesn't get trampled down. Then other examples they did was they found out that the Americans had a distinct advantage from 125 yards. So what they did was they pushed or moved the tee boxes back to where they didn't have any of those yardages as well. Plus, they made the par three yardages, which were advantageous for their players. So that's just why the home course advantage, another example why it is so, so important. And we'll we'll deep dive into it next week for sure, no doubt about it. But what he just, the substantial amount of that is what is so important. So if you're going to be able to overcome all of those things stacked against you, you're going to need to be overwhelmingly more talented, in my opinion. And I just don't think the Americans are. They, they, it's not saying they're a bad team. By any stretch, I think they're a great team. But the Europeans, especially at the very, very top of Victor Hovland, John Rahman, and Roy McIlroy, 
even though Rory and Rom may, may not say it in the 100% bass form, at least what they were six months ago, that crew right there, plus the, the middle guys right there, makes me say that the Americans aren't exceptionally more talented, which is why I don't think they'll be able to overcome the home course advantage. I tend to agree with you guys because when we talked about that European team last week, we had a few question marks with some of their rookies, but then I look at what they just did in that last tournament where all 12 of them played. You can do all the paper we want, but right now I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that the Americans should be the favorites. I don't see that in any way, shape, or form. I think the Europeans are the favorites. The only way the Americans can win this is they got to have some real good play from those guys we talked about earlier in this show. I'm I'm desperately thinking that, Sam, you're on the right track. I think we're going to have to really play good to beat them. I don't think we are. I think the Europeans are going to win this. I hate to say it, but I think they are. It's just interesting because going through it like we just did, the guys that I trust the most in this Ryder Cup are rookies, fellas. So to me, I don't want to put any money or try to better, you know, predict that the U.S. is going to win when the guys that I trust the most on this Ryder Cup team are playing for the first time. Now, obviously, some other guys like Shoffley and Cantlay, I trust a little bit more than Harmon or or uh, Max Homer or Sam Burns or, or Wyndham Clark. But I'm just saying that the bottom half of the lineup with Kepka and Spieth and Justin Thomas and Morikawa, those are all question marks to me, and we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out in Rome. We'll talk more Ryder Cup next week, but we got to hit a break here on the 73rd Hole podcast. After the break, we are going to talk to the new head coach of the OCU Stars, Blake Trimble, here on the 73rd Hole podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. And we are back on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And like I said before the break, you need to check out GolfOklahoma.org for all of your local golf news. One of the stories that you can read on GolfOklahoma.org is the story about Blake Trimble becoming the new head coach of OCU, the Stars. And I've known Blake for a long time. He's been a member out at Oak Tree National, plays in the groups that I used to play in when I was playing a lot. Uh, Blake's a heck of a player, and I figured we'd get Blake on, let you know the rest of Oklahoma and you know maybe some recruits hear who this new coach is at OCU. I think it was a great hire. Blake, welcome to the 73rd Old Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, Blake, I've known you for a long time, and you've played pretty much every single mini tour you could possibly play on. You played on the Corn Ferry at times. Um, every time I talked to you, you were like, I'm, I'm going to go Monday here, then playing an APT here. Um, and you had a really great career, great career at SNU, Southern Nazarene University as well. Um, I wanted to start this off, just kind of tell the journey of your playing career and now transitioning into coaching. Yeah, so you said it. I mean, I've bounced around quite a bit. You know, I played a lot of mini tours, played APT tour, I played Canadian tour, I played Latin American tour. Uh, I had that status on Corn Ferry, uh, I think, for five separate years, but really only one uh, full year in 2017. And, uh, yeah, so bounced around and uh, loved it, enjoyed it, had some success, but uh, obviously not as much as uh, I would love to. I would have liked to have had, but um, – which is uh, which is why I've kind of uh, transitioned into uh, into coaching. But uh, well, I also I got married and, and had a kid, which also kind of pushed me in the direction of coaching. But uh, but no, I'm uh, happy to happy to be here and happy to start this new uh, chapter of my life. Yeah, Blake, congratulations on on the coach position. It truly Thanks. is a, a great job for sure. And you detailed your past so well there. I want to dive into your future a little bit more. OCU, anyone who's who's been around the state of Oklahoma and, and pays attention to college golf knows it's a very proud program. A lot of good tradition there. So what are what are some of the goals that you have over the next year, three, five years or so? Just kind of detail the plan and what you see for the program um, now that you've got the head coaching position. Yeah, so like you said, I mean, o- Oklahoma City, they've got a great history. I mean, I think they, we've, they've got 11 national championships, and most of that was in the last 20 years. Um, and so, I mean, it's just one of those things that, you know, when this job came available, I was like, you know what, I'd be an, I'd be an idiot to not uh, at least throw my name in the hat. And uh, the interviewing process went well, and, uh, and they offered me a job. But uh, – it's, uh, you know, it's just, like I said, such a great history that I was like, man, I would love to get us back to not, you know, not just contending for national championships, but winning national championships, because that's kind of the bar that they set and uh, the bar that Blazer before me uh, set. And, uh, you know, I think that there's no reason why we can't get there. I think, uh, you know, it's such a, it's a good golf school. Uh, it's a great school for everything. But, uh, you know, I, I think, and maybe y'all can argue this, but I think behind maybe OU and OSU, it's arguably probably the, the third best golfing school in the state. Um, and so it's just, you know, with that comes a little bit of pressure to, to perform. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm, you know, willing to take, the, take my chances and, and see what I can do. No doubt about it. And you can rise to the pressure, Blake. I've seen it on the golf course and some money games many times. I, I'm sure you will translate that into the coaching ranks. Now, Blake, I got to ask your first time head coach, what is the best part about being a first time head coach? And what's some of the challenging parts? Like maybe it's recruiting since you kind of uh, were the player now becoming a coach. Maybe the on course teaching stuff with the players will be a little bit easier. The recruiting might be a little bit harder. Am I wrong in that? That aspect no i mean recruiting is definitely i mean it's, it's tough and uh and like i said i mean the good thing that i have going for me is that you know the history we have you know i i, I feel like kids know about oklahoma city and so i've, I've got that going for me and uh but it, i mean it's still it's not easy and it's, it's tough to get really good players to to want to come to an nai school uh, you know I, I know when i was younger i just felt like Oh, I was destined to be Division One, and 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 I wasn't. And so, like you said, I went to Southern Nazarene and loved it there, and uh, had just as good a competition there as as a lot of Division One schools. But um, but no, I mean, getting into coaching, you know, I I I coached a little bit when I was in. Uh, I went to grad school, and I was a grad assistant, and so I got a little bit of a taste of it there. And uh, and I just love being able to 
recognize where I made mistakes as a college golfer and, and being able to relay that to kids and be like, look, you know, I used to do the same thing you did. And, and I promise it's not, it's not what we need to do. You know, I, I wanted to go hit drivers and hit irons and hit balls all day long, but I watched all Americans go work on their short game, work on their wedge game. And, and me just having played for 13 plus years, I just feel like I at least have a little bit of credibility and, uh, and, you know, I can, I can still play, so I can try to get out there and play with them and, you know, and, and hopefully they can say, okay, yeah, he, he does still have a little game. Maybe I can listen to him. And so, um, I love that aspect of it is just being like, look, I, I, I can still do this a little bit, uh, but I want to just relay all the, you know, all of my mistakes and try to help you guys not make the same ones and, and hopefully we can learn, uh, together. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a big learning curve for me. Like I said, jumping into such a big program as a first time head coach, um, there's still things that I'm learning and, uh, but, you know, looking forward to it and just, uh, I, you know, recruiting is just, I, I take pride in recruiting. Like I want to bring in the best guys. And, uh, and so I, you know, I, I take pride in whoever I, um, bring in to take a look at the school and, uh, and yeah, I just think recruiting is going to be a lot of fun. Like you kind of handed it there, but I want to dive into it on a deeper level. There's one thing that I'm learning, uh, being a first year teacher this year is that the kids nowadays live in a different world than we ever did. It, it's unbelievable how differently the, uh, you know, just their whole life is in a sense. So for you being the uh, first year in this position, what do you feel like is the most important thing to be able to relate on these kids, not just at a golf level, but on a personal level to know that obviously you always be there for them and things like that. But, but to you, what's the secret there to uh, make that chemistry click? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good question. I'm, I'm hoping to still learn that. I, I know that, like you said, it is so different now than, than, when, than when I was playing. You know, fitness is such a bigger thing, and that's one thing that I wish that I'd taken more seriously when I was in school. And, uh, and even when I was playing professionally, I wish I'd taken that. Uh, a little bit more seriously and so that's definitely something that I'm gonna try to uh push on our guys is just staying fit and working on the right things getting stronger but uh but yeah I think you know my my big thing is just uh developing relationships to where they can trust me they can trust me you know on the golf course they can trust me off the golf course they can come to me um you know with anything whether it's school golf girls whatever it is like that's that's what I you know I want to develop these relationships I still have a great relationship with my head coach from when I was in college, you know, we have lunch every month and we talk and, you know, he's, he's like a dad to me. And, uh, and, you know, that's, that's what I want to be to these guys. I want to just be there for them. And then, you know, in the long run, I hope that I can help them get better. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they have aspirations to play outside of college, but you know, if not, no big deal. Like we just, I just want to get the most out of them while I've got them. Blake, we got a lot of high school golfers and young junior golfers that listen to this podcast, I'm sure, that would love to be in the position of playing for an OCU one day. When you're out recruiting, what little things do you look for when you're out recruiting uh, you know, younger guys? And obviously, you just started you know, being a head coach, but I'm sure that you'll start looking for certain things when you go out and watch guys on the golf course, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the big thing that I look for, and uh, and I've talked to other head coaches um, about this, is like just that that grit factor, you know. And and you you know what I'm talking about when you play with guys that you know they might not have the best swing, you know. I there are guys that have way more talent, more talent in their pinky than I do in my entire body. But I felt like I worked hard. I, I knew what to work on, and, and I had that grit grind factor that uh, that allowed me to you know have some success and be able to play for as long as I did. And and that's kind of what I look for. You know, you know, obviously you would love to have a kid that you know swings it like Tiger Woods or whatever. But uh, but that you know those kids don't come along, or if they do, you know, they might want to go to bigger and better schools. But um, you know, I just I, I look for the kid that you know 
really, I look for a kid that has gotten better every year from, you know, his freshman year to his sophomore to junior year. Someone that has consistently gotten better. I think that that just says a lot about how hard they're working and what and they're working at the right things and they're going in the right direction because, you know, you get a lot of junior golfers that commit to schools, you know, as freshmen and sophomores and, and then they kind of plateau and maybe don't pan out to, you know, what they, you know, their potential was. And, and I like seeing kids that, you know, have, you know, maybe didn't get all the looks when they were freshmen and sophomores. And, and so because of that, maybe they didn't get all those offers, you know, their junior and senior year. And I mean, those are the kids I'm like, these are the guys that are going to fit in here. They're going to work hard. They're going to, you know, they're going to be appreciative of being in a place to play. And, uh, and so that's kind of what I'm looking for. Where are you guys headed this fall, Blake? We, uh, we've already had a couple of events where we got two more coming up. We're going to uh, Shangri-La next week, which uh, I'm really excited about. I've, uh, I've only been out there once, but uh, it was awesome. And so there's a big, uh, we got a big tournament there. And then we've got a NAIA preview down in Georgia, um, the first week in October that we'll fly down to. And, uh, and that'll be it for us in the fall. Well, that's good stuff. We will definitely be cheering on the OCU Stars this fall and next spring, and we're going to love covering a guy that we actually know as the head coach. That's always fun to do. Blake, uh, before you get out of here, tell everybody your social media or how they can contact you, whether it be donors or recruits or just people that you know want to support the program. Yeah, so um, I, I guess my social, I've got Instagram. It's just Blake R.D. Trimble, um, and then... Uh, and then, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm on the website at Oklahoma City University. Um, I guess that's, that's really my only social media. I'm not, I'm not as hip as I wish I was. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, I, you, can, you can reach me at those. And then, uh, but, yeah, no, I'm around, and uh, I'd love to talk to anyone that's interested in the program and, uh, and just fill them in on whatever I can fill them in with. Awesome. Have a good one, Blake. We really appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Y'all have a good one, too. I'll talk to y'all later. Great stuff there from our man, Blake. Trimble, the new head coach of the OCU Stars. I can't wait to follow them as this college golf season progresses. T-Dub, the last thing we got to get to in this show is Liv is back. They have taken a massive hiatus since we saw them at Liv Bedminster, uh, what, like a month ago, um, where Cam Smith just absolutely dominated one by seven shots over Honor Bon Lahiri and the Team Ripper. The Australian team also won by 11 shots over the Crushers at Liv Bedminster. It's been a while since we We've seen Liv tee it up, but the first thing I want to talk about is Cam Smith because there's two tournaments left in the individual race, and our man Taylor Gooch is in second place. He was in first place all year until Bedminster where Cam Smith overtook him for the $18 million prize that they're fighting for for this end-of-the-year individual race on Liv, and Cam Smith could close it out this week at Live Chicago. Cam Smith is the individual champion for the season-long race. If he wins and Gooch finishes outside the top three, or if Cam Smith is second place and Gooch finishes outside of the top nine, or if Cam Smith is in third place and Gooch finishes outside of the top 14 and Reed doesn't win um that is the main storyline headed into live chicago they also have a ton of celebrities out for this pro-am uh, i don't know if you follow barstool sports but pardon my take and and big cat and pft they're doing their thing at the pro-am there's also a bunch of 
you know, former Chicago athletes like Scottie Pippen out in this Pro-Am this week at Live Chicago as well. They're bringing back the party hole uh, that they had at Live Adelaide in Australia. They're bringing that to Chicago as well. It's setting up to be quite the production, but on the course, T-Dub, this Cam Smith versus Taylor Gooch storyline is what I'm looking at. 100%. There's so much cash riding on the line for both these individuals. Hopefully it ends up going in our man TG's favor. That would be lovely to see with Cam Smith playing so rock solid, at least out of late. It's going to be really hard to, to be in one of Bedminster. is a defending champion as well, so that's something. So got Thor Warren back in London as well. So he's been playing so well on live. It did finish 33rd at the open and 33rd or 32nd at the tournament in Greenbrier. But also, too, the one in Greenbrier doesn't really set up for Cam Smith, though. It was an absolute birdie fest out there. Bryson going out and shooting 58. So it's just how it was. I believe the average score was like six or seven under there. So it was hard to, because Cam needs to be in a situation where he can make putts and gain a lot of strokes in that category. But in the middle of the year, played exceptionally well as well. Finished fourth at the U.S. Open, finished, lost to the playoff at Lyft Tulsa, which we got to see firsthand, which was cool. Finished top 10 at the PGA Championship. As well, so yeah, no, I'm high on Cam Smith. As I mentioned, defending champion as well. I, I hate to say it for our man TG, but uh, he's going to have to go out and probably win this week if he wants to be able to collect that. Was it 18 million or something like that you get for first? So yeah, like I said earlier, a lot of dough on the line. No doubt, and this is a big week out at Rich Harvest Farms, like you just said. Then they have. Live Jetta at Royal Greens Golf and Country Club in Saudi Arabia coming up on October 13th through the 15th. That will end the individual race, like we said, but they still have the team championship in Miami at Trump Doral on August on October, excuse me, 20th through the 22nd. Um, so really only two more opportunities for our man Taylor Gooch, and he doesn't necessarily control his destiny if he doesn't win this week at Live Chicago. He needs things to go his way. As far as the season-long team standings, we haven't talked about Live in a long time since they did take the long break here later in the season. Let's update you on the team standings. The four aces have the lead at 172 points. Team Torquay, who's been absolutely on fire, winning in D.C. and Andalusia, and then the Greenbrier. Team Torquay is only nine points behind Team Four Aces, and then you have Team Stinger in third place at 156 points. So it goes 172, Four Aces, 163, Team Torquay, and then 156, Team Stinger. But we're not just looking at the top three when we talk about teams because the top four teams get buys in the first round of the team championship, and they get to pick their opponent um, in the team championship as well. And the Crushers and the Range Goats are really, really close together. Crushers at 146 and Range Goats at 143 vying for that fourth place to get that buy for the team championship that's they're going to be playing for tons of money at that team championship t-dub to have a buy in the first round especially in the game of golf is a massive deal oh zero doubt about it yeah that's definitely the thing that we need to be looking for in the team aspect for sure because look at it as well the top five when it comes to point standings have a massive massive point differential over sixth place which is the fireball so for example the difference between First and fifth is greater than or shorter than the distance from fifth to sixth by a decent amount, actually. I think it, what is it? Oh, it's over 60 points difference between the range go to in fifth and fireballs entering sixth. 
and it's a 29-point difference between the Rangers who are in fifth and the four races who are in first. So you get a situation where you could go out and the Range Goats, when the, the winning team gets 32 points in their point system, Range Goats go out and win this week, they're going to have not just a chance to be in the top four, they'll be a chance to be the number one team, which would be something cool to see because we know they have the best logo out of the, the live team, Sam. So it'd be cool to see them on top as well, especially for our man TG as well. No doubt about it. When we look at the favorites on Data Golf for Live Chicago this week at Rich Harvest Farms, there's certain names that pop out that this week means more to them than other names. I'll point those out. We talked about Cam Smith, obviously, battling Taylor Gooch. There's two of the big names. Patrick Reed still has an outside shot of winning the season-long individual points race. It matters to him as well. And then Brooks Kepka leading up to the Ryder Cup, obviously, needs to you know, show some form after his last four events, which have not been good. Um, and then DeChambeau will be trying to battle that four spot for Team Crushers. But really, Dustin Johnson, I don't see the motivation there for him this week. I think the winner, T-Dub, comes out of Cam Smith, Taylor Gooch, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, or Bryson DeChambeau. I know I'm going out on a limb there, but the big names really do have things to play for this week. Yeah, I do believe that you're right. I think one guy that has a lot to play for is Bryson, because I think he wants to make a statement saying, I should have been picked for this Ryder Cup team. In my opinion, he should, should have been picked over Justin Thomas when you just look at game 100%, but that goes for a lot of other guys here as well. I mean, TG probably should have been picked. Dustin Johnson wasn't playing the best at, at the, this point of the season, so maybe you could understand another guy being picked over him, but maybe not necessarily but Justin Thomas. So, But no, I do think it is probably the cream is going to rise to the top this week. And I think it's interesting, as we said, when they played it here, Last year, but a lot of people in Oklahoma, Sam, might watch the scores and say it looks familiar. This is where the Oklahoma Sooners won the uh, 2017 uh, Men's Golf Championship at. So that is a, a pretty cool thing to see. So you always get a little bit of, of reminiscing, Sam, whenever I saw the scores. At least I did last year. I remember seeing some of those guys that we've had on the podcast, been able to talk to them, just seeing how they played that final round. That's pretty cool to see. No doubt. Rich Harvest Farms, where Brad Dalkey made the national championship winning putt. Speaking of Brad, you can go watch him on Good Good on YouTube now. We'll have to get Brad on to talk about Good Good as well. But Rich Harvest Farms definitely holds a nice place in his heart. Um, T-Dub, let's talk about the favorites for this week. I am going, like I said, with the big names this week. I really like Cam Smith, unfortunately, on this golf course, defending champion uh, at Rich Harvest Farms, and he has played really good golf recently on Live. Now, they have taken a big break, but I would love to see a little Taylor Gooch, Cam Smith battle in this golf tournament, but man, it... (laughs) I hate to say it for a man, TG. It's tough for me to bet against Cam Smith right now. It's just hard to bet against that putter is what it is. That putter is just absolutely outstanding. I can't think of another guy in the game that I'd rather hit a putt for me right now. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cam Smith in that regard as well. I'm torn between wanting Bryson to play good and not because it's going to piss me off if he goes out and wins, especially if he plays like he did in Greenbrier, and he's not going to be in Rome the next week. That is definitely a little bit frustrating so that could I, that's why I'm like I, I think that he probably is going to play pretty well and somewhere in the back of my mind I'm like okay just go ahead and go out and finish 25th so I don't have to deal with the, the hypocrisy that is the picks that happened this year Nito Pereira's the third guy that favored it so that's pretty interesting Kepka's down in fourth and as you mentioned earlier Sam I do think it is going to be important to see how Kepka plays 
like I was saying, like, and I said as well, I don't think that he wants to be there. I mean, why would he want to be there? He probably wants to be playing in, in Rome, gearing up for that. So, it, but, you know, like we saw at Liv Tulsa, he didn't want to be there because it was the week before the PJ, but he was playing well. And then what happens? He wins the next week. So if he goes down and finishes top five, top 10 this week, that's going to be an encouraging sign. I wouldn't have a whole lot of hope that Kep is going to go out and win this tournament, but I would definitely hope that he finishes at least in the top 15 at worst. And hopefully at least in there, you see one good round. That shows some promise that uh, he's still got some uh, got some dog in him, which we all know that he does, especially in the big events like we're going to have at the Ryder Cup. No doubt. And I disagree a little bit that he doesn't want to be there. I think he does in the sense that he hasn't played well in his last four events, and he needs to put something good on paper or at least confidence-wise headed into the Ryder Cup. I think he's going to take this week extremely seriously compared to other weeks we've seen him on live. This is not Brooks Kepka playing at live DC after he won the PGA. This is Brooks Kepka gearing up for a big-time tournament. And last time we saw Brooks Kepka play a live event gearing up for a big-time tournament, it was the Masters, right? It was when he won Live Orlando, and he won that golf tournament. And I think some weeks on Live, he just takes it more seriously than others. I think this is one of those weeks he really wants to put some good numbers up on the leaderboard. As far as the teams go, T-Dub, I am going with the Range Goats because I want them to get up into that top four. Do you agree or disagree with me? I would love to see the Range Goats get it done. That would be extremely cool to see, like I said, for our man TG. And uh, also said they have the best logo by far, not even just the best logo of the Live, one of the best logos I've may ever seen. I love wearing my Range Goat shirt that I got up at Live Tulsa. It's cool. So, But as far as the teams I like, Team Torquay has won four tournaments this year. Carter Freeman and Nana picked them. It's pretty interesting to see that they finished on four times, and they're still not leading the points race because the four aces have been so steady. But they've kind of cooled off. They finished 12th and 6th their last two events on the team, so that's going to be something to watch out for. you got the Singer, Singer team down there who won in Live Tulsa, but hasn't won another event before that. Has finished third in the last three events, th- uh, four out of the last five times. They finished on the podium. I'm sorry, five out of the last six times they finished on the podium. So look out for the Singer there. Maybe they can make a little bit of run. They're just kind of one that, uh, a team that flies under the radar. You don't really think about them a whole lot. But it seems like every time, Sam, they're just right up there. If they're not on the podium, they're right there nipping at it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Great point with Team Torquay. And the interesting thing about Team Torquay is that really it's been carried by Mito Pereira, Sebastian Munoz, and then David Pooch has thrown in some great tournaments. Neiman has kind of been hit or miss this year. It hasn't necessarily been led by uh, Joaquin Neiman. It's been more Mito Pereira's team uh, leading them to those victories on live. T-Dub, any other Thoughts about uh, Live Chicago before we get out of here? Well, you just mentioned Joaquin Neiman, and we've documented this before. It, he was one of the guys when we heard they was leaving to Live. I thought, man, he's going to be a catalyst for this thing. He's going to be one of the guys that's going to be able to draw an international crowd and feel like he's going to be sort of doing what we saw Cam Smith doing. Now he's going out winning a lot of times. I expected that from Joaquin Neiman, but it just hasn't been there. Maybe the money's getting a little bit to him. I mean, he is only 24 years old right now, so it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. He got a little bit more cash than he had and started to, to do some more rigorous things. But at the same time, it's uh, like I said, it's understanding. Maybe coming back a little bit, finished seventh in the last event in Bedminster. So hopefully trending in the right direction because, saying this kid has a lot of problems. We got to see it at Southern Hills in particular where it seemed like even there he was hitting a little bit better than he was at Lift Tulsa just even a calendar year ago. The analytics say the same thing. He's kind of been trending down in the wrong direction. But I hope he comes back. He's a guy that I think that 
not only has a, a great game and is entertaining to watch, so I think he can help grow the game just because, like I said, he's international. And I think he can draw a lot bigger base, especially being on Liv. No doubt. And you can watch Liv Chicago on the CW again live. It's not going to be on tape delay this week since it is in the United States. It'll be on the CW at noon central time every single day this week. That's Friday through Sunday on the CW and the CW app plus the Live Golf Plus app as well. It'll be nice to have some elite professional golf going on again, T-Dub, leading up to the Ryder Cup next week. If you haven't already hit that follow button. It used to be the subscribe button. Now it's called the follow button on Apple and Spotify. Definitely go make sure and do that. It's absolutely free and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode like we will drop next week with a very special guest to preview the 2023 Ryder Cup coming up in Rome. Also, follow us on social media at the 73rd hole on Twitter or X and at 73rd hole on Instagram. I'm at Sam Humphreys34 on Twitter as well. And you can catch us on golfoklahoma.org and thesportsanimal.com. You can't miss us. Ryder Cup week coming up next week. Everybody enjoy the golf this weekend at Live Chicago. T-Dub, thank you. Thank you to Woody. Thank you to our special guest, Blake Trimble, as well. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.